We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Roto Grinders fam? Welcome to it is already week 16 of the absolutely epic early week podcast. It's been a fun season, not necessarily um, watching football because the games, as Bobby has pointed out, have been kind of hit or miss. Although we did have a good weekend this last weekend, at least as a Patriots fan, we did. Uh, but fun season of hanging out, fun season of playing DFS. Two weeks left of this. So, uh, you know, this is kind of a bittersweet time in the season, but we'll make the most of it. Uh, Bobby, how are you doing this week, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. I actually had a profitable week. I was it's disappointing because I had a lot of duds, a lot of 190 plus scores on DraftKings with like two of Gordon and Westbrook or Green and Westbrook. And somehow still had, I hit every other spot right, but I just, uh, those guys killed me, but still a profitable week. So, it was good, and I agree. It was more enjoyable football to watch, not just because it was profitable, but uh, there was there were some better games, and it was it was it was fun with the Sunday sweat and everything on RG. I uh, had a good time with Grant and Closey on that, so that was cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun how um, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought because I was thinking about something else. Something's fun, so uh-huh. uh, it's Monday. We're still getting back into it. Uh, that brings us over to Grant. Who, Grant? Maybe you have a better rant than whatever I just said. I don't. I'm just really pissed off at Fournette. Uh, I had great lineups, and then the Fournette news came out, and I started switching to some things up and went over to Ivory like 100%. And on the draft app, I had to spend seven hours swapping him out of 800 lineups, and he's just a real big dummy. Why can't you just not get injured or not get put out for any guy? I hate you, Fournette. I I hate you so much. Uh, I have another suggestion. You could not put – a guy in 800 lineups who's not expected to play. Um, I did most of it, mon- most of my drafts Monday night. <laughs> that does suck then. Um, you didn't swap him? I did swap him. It took yeah. seven hours. They're apps not oh, meant to, to support a guy that drafts 1,400 lineups. Oh, So yeah, it freezes every few seconds. And oh, it literally yeah. is just the worst thing in the world. And Ivory, like – my Monday through Thursday lineup, or Thursday through Monday lineup, I think put up 160 before Freeman started playing. So those were the guys I was on, and then I changed it over because of Ivory. Changed everything, blew up all my lineups, and just ended up crap because of them. Uh, on top of that, there was also some injury stuff this last week. I mean, anybody with Antonio Brown, um, anybody with Marquise Lee – I feel like there were a couple others, so that always puts a little bit of a bump in the road. Makes the week yeah. a little bit weird. Uh, we haven't had many of those this year, actually. David Johnson, week one, I think, was the biggest one for a major injury. Um, but Antonio Brown definitely was right up there with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I had no Brown beforehand. And then the Ivory News, oh, I can pay up for him, which is probably now in hindsight why 
why everything happened to me. Uh, I landed on a team on Saturday night that was going to have Gurley and Bell together and uh, didn't end up rolling with that one. I think that team had Gabbert on it, though. It was like the only way to fit both those running backs and other players I liked. But uh, I was pretty heavy on D.D. Westbrook this last weekend. Uh, I think it's an interesting situation because I don't actually expect Keelan Cole to become the number one receiver. I think the people will swing over there. But Didi's price didn't really drop that much. Uh, actually, I think it went up on DraftKings this week. So definitely an interesting week ahead. Uh, this week I kind of want to just dig into different pricing categories because a lot like last week, it's a really difficult week if you want to do what I like to do, which is target an actual good play at every position. And what I mean by that is sometimes you don't fit in the highest price guy that you want, but you basically say, okay, I'm going to try to get at least, you know, a guy at every position who has a serious shot at 20 points. And then if all those guys hit, you're sitting pretty in tournaments. Uh, this is another week like last week where we're going to have to take some suboptimal value and hope for the best. Um, so I want to start this week at the quarterback position. Obviously, this is not where we spend most of our time, but uh, there's not any cheap quarterbacks that I love. So that's what I wanted to get a sense from you guys. Are you seeing any cheap quarterbacks that um, that are standing out to you this week that you would feel comfortable using? Bobby, I'll go to you first primarily. With a tournament slant, anybody on the lower end of the price range at quarterback that's jumping out to you? Nobody really beneath Winston. Um, I'm okay with Winston and Carolina. Uh but I don't think that even that's like not, I'm not my favorite play, but that's probably the one that I'm most okay with. Um, obviously Garoppolo being that cheap jumps out at you, but like against Jacksonville, no way. And uh, I'm not going to play Kaiser or I thought about it for a second earlier. And I'm just like, I'm done with that. Um, yeah. I think it's probably 5,700 at Winston is probably my cheapest. I think Kaiser is the one guy that, I could still see pulling the trigger on just because of the rushing upside, but I'm with you in that there's definitely nothing that on paper I would say I like. Um, I mean, maybe you could say if Osweiler starts this week, Osweiler at Washington, but that's getting really thin in in trying to say one of these is viable. Um, Grant, what are your thoughts on these cheap quarterbacks in cash games this week? Um, I mean, I'm trying to figure it out, and I can't really make an argument for most of these. I mean, Cutler doesn't get a terrible matchup against KC, but he's not really someone that I ever really want to trust. He hasn't shown over 20-point upside more than, what, twice this year. Uh, there's Andy Dalton going against Detroit. They're not the best defense in the world. They're not the worst, but Dalton's just played so terrible the last few weeks. I mean, before that, though, he was consistently putting up 17, 18, 19, and he gets a much better matchup in Detroit compared to – Minnesota, and I'm considering the Chicago one a little bit of an aberration. Uh, you'd think with uh, what's his name, Bernard in there, he'd probably get slightly more, a uh, slight boost his stats because the running game lacks a little bit and he's a bit of a receiving back. But yeah, there's really not anyone I want to go with. Uh, I think, didn't what's his name, Drew Stanton, get, uh, he's going to start for Arizona. He's the guy that I would go with if I'm going cheap just because he's bare minimum at 4,500. Um, he can put up enough points against this uh, Giants defense that is not great. It's in Arizona. Like, it, even the worst quarterback in the league at 4,500 in a plus matchup can do something decent. I mean, Gabbert put up decent numbers in Arizona. Stan's not really a worse quarterback than him. So, I don't I don't mind going there just because he's the only minimum price guy. There's no other serviceable guys really under 5,700 with Winston. Yeah, I like that Stanton call just because obviously it's something that's easy to scoff at at first. It's not a good play, but like you said, he can put up 15 points. He did it at San Francisco. He did it against Seattle at home against Seattle. And yeah, on a week with really thin value, um, I mean, I, I think I would prefer Kaiser in tournaments just because Kaiser obviously could get you five points. But could Do also you really think Kaiser's going to start this week? I don't know if he is. Yeah, he is. I mean, I think that Hugh Jackson already said today that they're sticking with him. And, I mean, what, what are they going to do? Like, they're trying to assess for the future. Um, they know that Kaiser is the only guy left who is potentially the future. He's probably not. but uh, And there's always a, a chance he can get benched. But in tournaments, you're if you roster Kaiser, you know you're taking a floor of four or five points anyway. And But you could get 25. I don't think you get 25 with Stanton. But in cash games, I think – like Stanton probably has a pretty high floor in this matchup. 
they don't have a running game in Arizona. He still gets to throw to Larry Fitzgerald. So I think that makes some sense. Uh, Grant, what about the expensive quarterbacks? If you're having to choose among these, like the the top price guys, it's, it, guys, it's interesting to me that Russell Wilson, for example, is only 7K. I mean, that's super cheap after a down game against a defense that typically plays him well. A division matchup now, he's playing Dallas, uh, a team with a really poor secondary. Obviously, Dallas gets Ezekiel Elliott back. They can slow down the game a bit with that. But Russ 7K is super compelling. Uh, Brady, obviously, really cheap. I do think that the Patriots will go run heavy like they did against Buffalo last time these teams played. Uh, then you got Breeze, Cam Newton, Alex Smith. Any of these guys catching your eye, Grant, in cash games? Uh, I think one of the main guys I should have gone with last week, I decided to go with Russell Wilson, but I really should have gone with Cam Newton. I was on him, high on him all week, and it's just I would have left a little bit of money on the board, which I didn't want to do. So Cam, like, he's been rushing the ball well lately. He threw the ball real well last week. Uh, he's going up against Tampa Bay that has a pretty dreadful defense. And judging from tonight's game, they're pretty injured. So, I mean, realistically, he gives you enough of a floor there with his rushing abilities. And there's not really anyone else in huge plus matchups that I really want to play. So it would either be Cam or Russell. And I think Cam's going to come in at a lot lower ownership just because I don't think people are going to really rely too much on the fact that Russell Wilson did bad last week, considering most of his work's done in the second half, and they were already out of it in the second half. I think I kind of think the opposite. I think that Cam is going to draw higher ownership because he was about 50% owned in cash games last week, which is crazy to me only because um, the last time I used Cam in cash games was week eight against Tampa Bay, and he got 13.6 points. And it was just this thing of, okay – Yes, Cam Newton is a phenomenal tournament quarterback because of his upside, but his floor is lower than most of these other guys. Um, but since Cam was that highly owned and put up 31 points, I think a lot of people will go back to him, and he's cheaper than Russ. Um, Bobby, do you, do you see anything di- different from what I'm seeing there? And do you like one of these guys more than the other? Um. I like I, – I didn't like I, – I was all over Wilson, and then I just – because of the weather, I decided I didn't want to. And then also I, I used that as an excuse. And then, I don't know, by the end of the week, I ended up using them basically mostly Cam. Um, so I was happy with that, and I think you're right that people will go back there even against uh, – it's, it's against uh, Tampa Bay again, but I don't think that the last game should be any indicator. It's more game flow oriented with the, with Carolina too, like – when the running game was working with uh, with Jonathan Stewart, we saw what happened the week before. It takes him out of the game. Um, Seattle is so dependent. All of their touchdowns but one this year have come from Russell Wilson still, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, uh, that's insane. Uh, that's just too high a touchdown market share for a team that's going to score in the 20s, at least uh, in Dallas. So I, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Wilson, and I do think he's going to be slightly less owned than Cam. Yeah, I mean, I think that we'll see ownership on both these guys. And obviously, Cam could outscore Russ. But as you alluded to, the Seahawks basically need Russ to score in order for them to score points. So it makes sense to go there and just get all of the touchdowns. And in my mind, I mean, Russ is the guy who's standing out to me at first glance. With that said, Russ was the guy who was standing out to me at first glance uh, last week as well at the higher end of the price range. So, I mean, we also need to take into account that Cam's getting virtually the same matchup as price has gone up 400. And Russell Wilson's getting a drastically better matchup going against Dallas than uh, L.A. I almost said St. Louis there. And his price went down 300. And there's going to be bet- – they're playing in a dome, so you don't have to worry about weather. I think that's what a lot of people did. They pivoted off of Russell Wilson when the weather was considered. Cam wasn't that highly owned in high buy-in tournaments. Uh, I think he was 30% in the live final. Oh, maybe in the live final. Like in the 555 and stuff, he was like, I think he, I want to say like 13%. But sometimes that happens with these cash. I, I mean, and I guess that's something to consider too. It's funny because Cam is fundamentally a tournament play more than he is a cash play. And yet because everybody was rostering him in cash, they overthought things and, and like moved away from him in tournaments. It's strange how that happens. That's weird. Um, yeah, and, and I don't think that like I expect both of them to have a really good game this week. But uh, you know, I just think that Russ, you're taking a higher floor. My big mistake last week was you know we all loved uh, Bortles and Foles on this show, 
those are my two favorite point per dollar quarterbacks last week. And yet I had, I found the salary to move up to Russ and just felt like it was a little bit safer. So that was obviously incorrect in that matchup. Um, Speaking of the Seahawks, there aren't a lot of values anywhere this week. One of the places where we can find some value is at running back. The best I'm seeing, unless you know you want to take, say, Peyton Barber in a really tough match against Carolina or P. Ryan in a really tough match against Denver, Isaiah Crowell against Chicago, and then Mike Davis is, is still only 4,500. So, uh, Bobby, do either of those guys stand out to you? Any other cheap running backs that you like this week? That I mean, that you feel actually give you some upside? I think Davis would be the one I'd be most interested in. I think that the game flow was so weird. Obviously, it's you can't really take this last game into account. Uh, the workload has been there. He gets 15 to 20 carries. That price is interesting. It's not that exciting, though. I agree. It's I'm not really like, in love with any of these. I don't think that taking a gamble on Rod Smith would be the craziest thing in the world because the upside he's shown in tournament. But uh, it's, again, you're just talking about a long shot mark there. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's ugly down here. It's almost a week to say, uh, unless we start finding some more value as the week moves along, maybe go lighter in cash games and heavier in tournaments because there just aren't great plays down here. I think that saying that Mike Davis, when, when Seattle running backs have been unusable all year, saying that Mike Davis is, the best value running back shows you how crazy things are this week. Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on these cheaper running backs? Do you like any of these guys a little bit more than Bobby and I do? Well, there's Carlos Hyde going up against Jacksonville. Um, they're obviously not a great run D. Carlos Hyde he is a guy that can catch the ball a whole lot. He hasn't done as much lately, but he's obviously a great receiving back. And there's going to be a lot of dump offs with that Jacksonville uh, line, just crushing in on, on what's his name? Garoppolo. Uh, but the guy I'm really looking at, and it could it's either going to be uh, Williams for Arizona or DJ Foster if Williams can't go. If Williams can't go, then DJ Foster, I think, is going to become the immediate shock there at 3,400. And if Williams can go, I don't know if people, enough people are going to be on him for it really to matter. Uh, it's 28th rank DV, or 28th rank for fantasy points given up is New York. Uh, they're 25th in run DVOA. Williams hasn't really looked bad at all. And they're probably going to rely on on him a little bit with staying there at the helm. So um, I don't I don't see how he's not the best play at the cheap spot. Yeah, I mean you can make that argument. Uh, I think the other argument is the uh, lack of pass game work. I mean I love the matchup this last week against Washington. Also a bottom. I think they they were twenty seventh in yards allowed per carry, twenty first in DVOA. A good spot, but then when you're not getting pass game work, it's tough to really put up a big score. I think that that's where DJ Foster would become really interesting, and that's a good point, is Foster can take the ball. They have used him as a pass catching back. So then you're getting a Kenyon Drake situation where you have a guy playing all three downs and taking all the touches just because there's nobody else remaining. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on there. I like that call. Um what about the high-priced running backs? I mean, I think that with how thin value is this week, the max we're going to be able to fit on a reasonably good team is one of these guys. So there's a lot to Disagree. like. Okay. Um, so you can tell me – I'll have you go first, then. You can let me know what are these great value plays that give you a high floor and a high ceiling and allow you to fit multiple high-priced running backs. Um, let's see. First of all, the number one player on the slate as of right now, because I'm an absolutely insane person. I think I'm figuring out what my love at first sight is going to be too. Um, Roger Lewis. How many targets do you think he's had in the last two weeks? Uh, give us a number. Uh, 22. 22. Uh, Shepard is going to be shut down a little bit by eight or by Peterson. Just my thoughts offhand. He's 3,400. His price hasn't even gone off. Uh, he has not getting a whole bunch of fantasy production, but the targets are there and the price is there. It gives you enough of a floor ceiling combo. And then I think that Jermaine Curse is going to be uh, a pretty good guy to have this week. Obviously, with what's his name, Petty at the helm, like they're not a great offense, but. Uh, with Robbie Anderson probably on Casey Hayward, we can expect a decent amount of throws to curse in this matchup. Hayward's the best uh, lockdown cornerback in the NFL, in my opinion. And at 3,900, curse also has a whole bunch of red zone threat in him where he is one of probably their best red zone threat on the entire team. And I think that they're going to look to him a lot more this week 
with him being with Robbie Anderson being shut down on the other side by Hayward. Yeah, but I mean, Trevor Williams is like, I think, ranked seventh in the NFL by pro football focus. It's not like this isn't Patrick Peterson earlier in the year when Justin Bethel was on the other side. You just burn the number two corner. This is still a really difficult matchup all the way. I mean, that doesn't concern you at all, just how good the charge have been against wide receivers? I mean, it concerns me a slight bit, but at 3,900, I'm really not that worried. I think last week was just a whole weird scenario going up against New Orleans. And I actually don't remember. I, I didn't watch. Did you guys watch the game? Was Lattimore shadowing Robbie Anderson the entire time? Something I still need to look into. Uh, I have no idea. What I saw. Okay. But I don't know. Right, I didn't so. see that much of it. Yeah. In any case, I mean, I don't care. I still like Curse. Uh, they, I think that he's going to get a large volume in this matchup. Uh, they're probably going to be coming from behind because the Chargers are a much better team than – People still, I don't think, realize they're probably going to be down on him a little bit because of what happened last week against Kansas City. But yeah, all right. So That's then, my uh, thoughts on low price. If you can pop in these uh, multiple high price running backs, who do you like the most out of like Ezekiel Elliott, Ingram, Kamara, Hunt, and Gurley? Who should all and and Lashawn McCoy? Uh, they'll all get plenty of work. They're all in you know good matchups this week. Uh, who stands out to you the most out of those guys? I mean, I kind of want to say McCoy at this point. Um, again, this is real early on thoughts. I don't think a lot of people are going to go with him going up against New England. And it's been a little while since they've actually had a spot where they had to dump the ball off to McCoy a whole bunch. But he still is involved a lot of times in the passing game. Um, I need to look at some of the stats. But he's a guy that I think he's pretty much matchup proof. It's been weird the last six weeks, but, I mean, he had five targets last week, five two weeks before that, four a week before that, and Taylor should be in the lineup. So Taylor likes to dump the ball off, off to him. I think that he's my guy at 7,800, 7, which is like his third or fourth lowest uh, price of the entire season, going in a game where they're going to need to come from behind. I still think they're going to rush the ball quite a bit. All right, so, Bobby, for you, um, any thoughts on – Roger Lewis, Jermaine Kirsch, those guys, um, and and then out of these high-priced running backs, who are the ones that are standing out to you? I agree there's upside with Kirsch, but I, I really like the call on Lewis, uh, especially depending on whether Tavares King is healthy. That's such a pass-happy offense, and I still believe that secondary receivers in Arizona could be still be somewhat of a thing, especially when, on that workload with that price. It doesn't even matter anyway. It's just I think it's a great play. Um, at the high price running backs, I totally agree with Grant that McCoy stands out to me the most initially. Uh, I think it's hard to ignore what Gurley's doing, but it's the price is high. Everybody else, I feel like I have a lot of question marks about at the high end too. It's uh, I think that the next person I'd be looking at would probably be someone down at uh, either Howard or Freeman uh, or McCaffrey even uh, probably Freeman actually. I think Freeman getting all the work. Uh, he actually can catch passes out of the backfield. He just doesn't – they don't utilize him that way because they use Coleman more that way. But uh, I think that him being in that game, I think those are probably the guys I like the most, Coy uh, and Freeman. Right on. Interesting thoughts there on just dropping down at running back a little bit. Uh, next question I wanted to ask you guys, and this keeps it in the cheap wide receiver discussion, is in my mind the best value at wide receiver is Devontae Parker. And people got off of Parker because um, he played against he played two games against New England and then one game against Denver. So New England was proactively scheming him out. I think he got like six, five and six targets in those games, and then he played Denver. Um, every other game this year, he's had at least eight targets. Uh, came back last week with twelve targets against Buffalo, a really tough matchup against Tre'Davious White and that Buffalo defense. And uh, so this week the matchup is good and the target should be there. I mean, Kansas City has been like a bottom five team against wide receivers. So um, is there any reason to not – when we look at the – Devontae Parker's disappointed all year, right? That's how people are thinking of him. But that's because he was 6,500, 6,700 and kept getting 13 points. Um, if he gets you 13 points at 4,200 – but Bobby, are, are you feeling pretty good about that? If, if he gets you that score with more upside from there? Or, I mean, do you think that I'm way off on, on Parker this week? No, I completely agree. Parker would be the other guy that I actually forgot about, but I would totally be interested in paying down. I, I love Parker. I love 
that game. I think if you don't want to go Parker, going Landry is fine. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot at KC. And as much better as KC's been in recent weeks, they've overall been pretty terrible this year. Um, so I think that you can attack them with a passing game. And I think Parker at that price with his upside is a terrific play. I think there will by the end. Uh, Grant, any thoughts on Devontae Parker as a cheap option at wide receiver? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, he got 12 targets last week. You mentioned pretty much everything that needs to be said. At that price, with the lack of value, if you don't like the two guys I mentioned, he's probably one of the best there. By the way, I did just build a lineup with Gurley, McCoy, and Kamara in it pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, that's dependent, obviously, on liking the same value plays that you like. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable with Curse. Uh, I think that. Roger Lewis is interesting. Um, I mean, the the Cardinals are a top eight defense against wide receivers right now. I'm, I still don't love the matchup. I don't actually – I mean, like workload is one thing, but workload with a really bad quarterback and not a great player is another thing. So I'll have to think through that one a bit myself. Um, but, yeah, if you could throw Devontae Parker and Roger Lewis on and, and then, you know, open up some stuff from there, that definitely makes it interesting. Um, hopefully that's opening up some thoughts for us throughout the week. Um, moving up at wide receiver, I think that the high-priced guys aren't as necessary as normal. Uh, we can get to those guys in a moment, but I think that there's a lot of guys in this mid-range who make some sense. Um, guys like Robert Woods, guys like uh, Marvin Jones, whose price has dropped all the way down to 6400 uh, Save the best play out there. Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, yeah. uh, and then Doug Baldwin, only 6,300 against a team that gets destroyed in the slot, I think is also really interesting. Baldwin's targets haven't been there lately, but even without the targets there, before last week, he was still putting up good scores week in and week out. So I think like a, a floor expectation for Baldwin is still around 12 or 13 points. We've seen that he can post 30 points. So Grant, in this range – who's standing out to you? I mean, I think you agree with me that we could go largely mid-range and feel really comfortable with what we're getting. Yeah, so, I mean, also we've got to mention Funches, who was injured and putting up a crapper before he got injured last week. Um, he's a guy that's going up against Tampa Bay, which is terrible. I think he could be, be in for a good week. But Robert Woods is one of my favorite plays on the board at this moment. He was their clear number one guy before he got injured, and then coming back he seemed to be – like getting a decent amount of work there, but it was just mostly the girly show. I mean, they just kept running it down the Seahawks' throats the entire game. So he's a guy that I really like. Josh Gordon, obviously, again, going to be one of my favorite plays on the board. His price didn't go up. He still had, what, 12 targets in this matchup? I get Kaiser's absolute crap, but I, it's still, anytime you're getting that much volume, like there's a decent chance that he goes off for an absolutely massive game, and the floor realistically is there. I think he had – one big catch called back because of a random penalty. So realistically, he probably should have ended up with about 14, 15 points in that matchup. Um, just the volume's going to be there. And then you can go all the way down, D.D. Westbrook. If Marquise Lee does not play, uh, this last week could have just been a complete aberration. He gets a much better matchup going against San Francisco, who I think at this point they're only a four-and-a-half-point underdog as opposed to a 16-point underdog. So that really kind of changes the way that Jacksonville is going to play. Yeah, I like the D.D. Westbrook thought a lot. I wish his price had stayed down. It must have been ownership driven because he put up, what, 4.1 points and his price climbed 1K, which is absolutely absurd. But, um, I mean, I like the matchup a lot if he gets back up to the nine targets he was seeing before that. And like you said, Josh Gordon, 12 targets. Uh, that's incredible. Also, this goes goes back to the looking at things in context as far as you can look and just see how oh, Devontae Parker's targets dropped. But in the context of why they dropped, I mean, Matt Moore was under center two of those games. All three games were poor spots for targets for him. Um, same thing with Robert Woods. So he, own, quote, only saw seven targets this last week. But, yeah, Goff threw the ball only 21 times. So that's 33% of the targets. I think that's a great call there. Could because we also he really mention the, the fact that Bortles is the sixth highest priced quarterback? Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? It's silly. It's so silly. Oh gosh. Uh, so Bobby, in this mid 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 priced wide receiver range, are there any guys that we are missing that we've talked about, or are you looking at the same guys that we were bringing up? 
mostly the same guys. I haven't spotted too many other ones. I actually was looking more to try to find ways to pay down, but I'm not even in love with the whole spot yet. I mean, it's hard because it's Monday, still assessing the whole week and everything. But I don't know. It's uh, I think that there's guys like uh, Richard Matthews. I think that it would be totally someone who will get overlooked, and I think there's a lot of upside there. I played him a lot this last week. And he's probably like one guy who I don't, I don't see people going with at 5,100. I think he's really interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot of other guys other than the ones you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I like the Richard Matthews call too. And then paying up, are you finding it necessary against Monday early in the week, but Julio Jones in a tough spot. Um, Keenan Allen's in a fine spot, but it could be just an absolute blowout. So that's a little bit of a concern. Michael Thomas, the floor is always there, but the matchup's not great against Trufant and Atlanta. Uh, Brandon Cooks, you know, you're, the price is so high for six to eight targets, which is all you're banking on. Like these high-priced guys, Bobby, are, are you seeing yourself right now making room for these guys, or would you be likelier to pay up at running back at this point? Likelier to pay up at running back at this point. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, there's nobody like I'm just – totally in love with at first glance at the higher end other than Keenan Allen. And I'm not that worried about that being a blowout. So he probably would be my preferred play. Uh, I don't think that I don't mind Tyree kill. Uh, I, I also like Robert Woods, like Grant does. I think the price is high, but I still like him. And I think Mike Evans, by the way, a little lower down is I, you just, that's a great play. Like I, I, I would love to load up on Mike Evans this week. Yeah. Evans and really what's not a bad matchup, Carolina, isn't great against wide receivers in spite of their reputation. Uh, Grant, high-priced guys, you want to talk to us about why Keenan Allen is just the best play in the world? Well, this is a very similar spot to when he played. Bless you, Abby. Uh, Bless <laughs> you, a really Abby. Similar that spot. was from Grant. <laughs> uh, this is a really similar spot, spot to when they played Cleveland, like a crappy quarterback at the helm, like a not great defense versus the pass. That's a spot where he had 14 targets and had 10 receptions, went off at 29 points. People aren't going to be on him because of what happened against Kansas City last week, which playing in Kansas City is a real tough game, and they kind of seem to have a Melvin breakout game there, which is really what happened. Um, he's still a guy that I don't think has had lower – oh, no, he's had a few games lower than eight targets, but shouldn't in any normal matchup have less than eight to ten targets. Uh, so I'm fine with him. And then also Michael Thomas, let's not forget that two weeks ago against Atlanta – he went off of 30 points. He's been getting double-digit targets for a while there. He has, I think, the largest target share of any receiver in the NFL. Like, Breeze throws to him at a higher rate than pretty much anyone. Like, people forget that because New Orleans is known as a running team, known as a team that likes to spread the ball out. But Thomas has just been getting peppered with targets all season long. He just hasn't had a great reception rate until recently. So I think that he's a guy that's pretty safe for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, I don't see many times where he doesn't get 20 points. Uh, so I only really like Gurley and McCoy at this point as high-priced running backs because I'm going at so much more value at wide receiver. I'll probably end up throwing Michael Thomas in at the flex and just deal with my 20 points there and be happy. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas gets his targets no matter what. Uh, he has one game all year under eight targets, if I'm remembering that correctly, in spite of all the blowout wins that the Saints have had, in spite of all the run-heavy game scripts that they've had, they make sure that they get him involved every week. I mean, his floor is enormous. Um, and, yeah, matchup isn't great, but like you said, Grant, he won in this matchup just a few weeks ago. I mean, he's certainly talented enough to win in the matchup uh, against a division opponent that he knows. I mean, they know him well, but he knows them well also. Uh, so, Grant, all this – paying up we're doing then uh what are you doing at tight end i mean i'm assuming that you're looking to pay down there so what sorts of crazy plays are you finding at tight end that you feel comfortable paying down for well the first guy is going to be one of two guys most likely uh is a large part of it depending on what happened with injuries in tonight's game because i know howard got hurt and Bray got hurt howard got put back in or Bray got put back in I don't know if Howard's going to be out next week, but if he is, then Brace just complete and total auto lock for me. He has a great connection with Winston. 
I know that Carolina is good against tight ends, but Braid's like the main guy they go to in the red zone. Plus, Deshaun Jackson isn't going to be there. So it's going to be similar to what happened last week. So going with Winston, Braid, and Evans, it's going to have so much of the entire share of the offense going to him. So he's a guy that I'm very much looking at. Um, Deion Sims is not the worst play in the world going up against Cleveland, which gives up an incredible amount of targets to opposing tight ends. Um, I, I didn't look into this much at all. So I'm just kind of going with everything on the fly here, and I've got pretty much nothing else. I'm just stalling. <laughs> Charles yeah. play is another great play. Yeah, I mean, and Eric Ebron's, Eric Ebron's been seeing work. Sorry, Bobby, go ahead. No, another great play. These are all pretty god-awful plays. Like, I don't feel great. Great. We don't even know if he's going to play. He's in the game right now. Okay. Well, he came back. All right. I'm sorry um, for yelling for you at you. I forget the sound of my voice. But, but why? Why is he a great play against a team that's excellent against tight ends? Like I don't because really... Brate's one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. He had <laughs> what twelve straight weeks of double digit points. He's going to be the main focus of the offense if Jackson and OJ Howard are not in there at 3,300. This guy, when he's the main tight end in the offense, is a 5K tight end. Sorry, I have a huge amount of love for Brate. Great games of double-digit points or anything close to that. He's had six or seven. Um, but he also had five in a row with less than two. Like, like, And those five of the last six or whatever, he's got, what, less than 2.2? Um, so going back to Howard, last Howard, year. Howard didn't play in two of those games. And yeah, and Fitzpatrick played in most of those games. If you go back to last year, it's a completely different scenario. He had double digits, and I'm going to look this up because now I'm just angry. Now I'm just a mad person. I mean, I, I'll make you more mad. I side more with Bobby than I, – I mean, with how bad value is, I think he's a fine play. He got 10 points last time against Carolina. I think that he can get to 10 points, but it's going to be tough for him to get – he's like all those double-digit games, he was so touchdown dependent. He had a touchdown in four consecutive games – it's going to be tough to score uh, against Carolina when that's the like they defend the tight end position better than any other team in the NFL. They're number one in the NFL against the tight end. So it's going to be tough for him to get that touchdown. If he doesn't, then you're sitting on you know six, seven, eight points. Uh, I'm a little more concerned about it than you are. Well, I mean, it's like I said, I pay Brates one guy I pay a lot of attention to, and he had eight touchdowns in his first twelve games. Like, he's a very good red zone threat and one of their only red zone threats besides Mike Evan. If the offense is pretty much what it was last year, which it is without Jackson or O.J. Howard in there, it's pretty much the same passing offense as it was last year. And Winston's going to rely heavily on him no matter what, and they're probably going to line him. I wouldn't be surprised if they line him up on the outside a bunch. Uh, I mean, those things make sense. Uh, Bobby, so is there another tight end that you're seeing that's – Better than Brait. I mean, it's it's ugly down here, right? Down at the low end. At the low end, it's. I think maybe people were weak early on Ricky Seals Jones. I, I wasn't on him at all, but I know a lot of people got on him. Uh, this would be a better better opportunity, I would say, uh, if you want to take a shot, Vernon Davis. But it is pretty ugly. Like they're not. It's nothing to be excited about. I think that Charles Clay is probably the best of the low end bunch, but I don't really like any of them at this moment, unless I hear like something changes. Uh, maybe because of the price, you could consider Safarian Jenkins, like, but it's, he's been so inept. It's hard to rely on anything there. I don't know. It's, I, I, I I'm not going to pay down probably. Right? And I'm probably going to go to Graham, uh, Graham, Kelsey or Gronk. Yeah. I mean, this is a phenomenal week for both Gronk and Kelsey Buffalo sets up well for tight ends and Gronk, Grew up there, always plays well against Buffalo. Speaking of that narrative, uh, he went to, I think it was his senior year, He maybe his junior and senior year of high school, he transferred to a high school in Pittsburgh. So uh, if we want to go narrative style, that would also make sense why he smashed Pittsburgh, although it could just be because he's really good. Uh, Kelsey against Miami, who is a lot better against wide receivers than people give them credit for, and they're awful against tight ends, so that's a good spot. Um, and then, you know, even these guys, Ingram, Greg Olson, Delaney Walker are good in tournaments. Jimmy Graham, uh, for me, is a tournament-only guy just because he's so touchdown dependent. But those are all better plays. It's just there's not a lot of great value. I think it's interesting that Ebron, Eric Ebron has scored seven or more points in, I believe, six consecutive games. Yeah, six consecutive games. I mean, any chance you could see yourself going to Ebron, Bobby, at only 3,700? 
I hate this guy, man. <laughs> I really hate this guy. Uh, it's hard. My friends are all like, I got a bunch of friends from Detroit and they're all Lions fans. I watch all the Lions games. And he's so aggravating to watch. He drops so many balls. He doesn't, I don't even know. Like I felt like they were sort of phasing him out. Like, and then all of a sudden he's yeah. like effective. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll take a couple of shots on him, but I'm not like into it. If it becomes popular, I'm definitely not going to go there. Yeah, I mean, I guess Clay is probably a a better play. Um, Clay sees more reliable targets, but the catches are like are less consistent when the targets are there. It's uh, it, like no matter what, it's ugly. But no matter what, you're going to be taking some ugly value this week. I mean, unless you're as crazy as Grant, even if you roster someone like Roger Lewis, you're not going to feel great about it going into Sunday. You're not going to feel confident that that's getting you 15 plus points. There's just a lot that's up in the air in terms of, of uh, what we can actually get from these cheaper guys in order to fit in some of the higher price guys that we want. Um, so we ran through eight topics in like 40 minutes, which is probably a record. Um, is there anything else that you've seen on the slate, Bobby, that stands out to you that we didn't touch on while we were kind of running through the positions? Uh not entirely. I think that it's important to like be aware of where people are at in the season and stuff right at this time of year. And Cincinnati, I made the mistake of playing AJ Green uh, last week, but they, they're so clear. They have given up on this year. So like, don't play players from these kind of teams that are just clearly not playing for anything and just be, be wary, like going in where playoff positioning is and who cares about what. And then other teams that might give uh you know, some younger guys a look and, as the week plays on, we'll probably hear more about it. But just keep in mind, it's that time of year, and it's a little bit of a different game. Yeah, that's really interesting. The uh, like, we try not to get too narrative driven in our thinking. Obviously, we want to be able to, you know, analyze actual facts and and hard data. But that is something. You know, these are all human beings. Some of these guys, you got a guy like Marvin Lewis, essentially <laughs> leaks out a report that he's leaving the Bengals after the season as if they were bringing him back. I mean, you know what? These guys are not coming in as prepared as a team like the Patriots and Steelers coming in to play each other. So I think that's a good point as well. Grant, is there anything uh, else on this slate that we didn't touch on talking through all those positions that you want to bring up? Uh, so we should probably mention Dion Lewis. Um, what are they going to do in that Patriots offense at the running back position? Uh, I think Lewis could be in for a much bigger workload or Gilsley could be screwing us over completely, which uh, with Burkhead out of that lineup, it kind of changed things. Uh, Lewis probably gets a more, much larger touchdown share. James White is in there at 4,100, which should take over a lot of Burkhead's work. Um, they could be, they probably are going to be ahead late in this game. So that means that they're most likely going to be running the ball. What, what's Gilsley's price? 3,900. So all these are potential tournament plays because a lot of them are going to get, or some of them are going to get a lot of work. It's just the Patriots carousel. I think Deion Lewis has the most safety, but he also has the largest price. White could do a whole bunch of things if you, if they end up having a closer game than what it currently is. Any thoughts on that guess? Yeah. I mean, like Deion Lewis was one of the first guys when I was just looking at what games there are this weekend. He was one of the first names I thought of. And then I saw the price and yeah, it's like, it's basically, basically like everyone this week is either appropriately priced or overpriced. Um, and the cheap guys, the guys who are cheap and maybe potentially underpriced are also high variance plays because they're not good players or because their workload isn't secure or whatever. Like it was weird to see Deion Lewis priced at 6K. I agree with you. I, I kind of am concerned. Like if Deion Lewis were 4,900, I would lock him in just because, yeah, 15 plus carries. I, I am concerned that, that Gillisley is going to come in and see 10 or 12 carries. I don't think that would be absolutely crazy. Bobby, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a completely unplayable situation in my opinion. Nothing is – it's just I, – I just – there's no way I'm going there. I just can't. I, there's no way I'm playing Gillisley like a guy. I don't play players not named Josh Gordon who haven't who have been like you haven't played in you know whatever five weeks. Well, especially if it's like Gillisley and the team has made him a healthy, inactive, yeah, week in and week out. And we've seen like 
the Patriots have had guys who have come from a stretch like that and come in and, and been productive. It wouldn't be the craziest thing, but yeah, and I, and I agree like fundamentally. I think Deion Lewis is a really sharp play in terms of like expectations and raw points if he were priced where he had been priced earlier. I think that I could see that spot gaining momentum and becoming chalk because people will assume that Deion Lewis is going to get 22, 23 carries. I do think that the Patriots will go run heavy here. They did last time against Buffalo. I think they, they ran it 32 times and threw it 31 last time. I could be slightly off on that, but it's somewhere in that range. So, like, it would make sense for Lewis to get um, 15 or 16 carries, but the Patriots have not shown a propensity to push him past that number. So, yeah, uh, I think that you could, like, large field tourneys where you need to beat hundreds of thousands of people, you could take a shot on Gillisley because he'll be unowned. And he's the kind of guy who could get 15 carries and against his old team go for 80 yards and two touchdowns. But um, in anything where you are actually trying to pick the best plays, which would be single entry tourneys, smaller field tourneys, high price tourneys, uh, I can't see going close to this backfield. Um, I don't know. Does the price continue at all, Grant? It does a little bit, and I have to wait for later on the week. But, I mean, I still think that – he makes a Deion Lewis makes a decent tournament flyer because I mean, this, this Patriots backfield has been so ridiculous for so long. And then Burkhead just coming in and being basically a better version of James White um, just changes things. Gillsley getting work early and then not anymore. There is the possibility where he was mostly a red zone back earlier on in the season. And they started using Burkhead a lot because they just liked him better. I mean, outside of the one week where Deion Lewis got a rushing touchdown because Burkhead fumbled. Like, it's been Burkhead in the red zone, which is why I liked him this last week. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's just so tough, and I have to look at – like, this is just all off the top of my head. So, it's figuring things out. Um, I got another another thing that we should probably look into. A.J. Green. So, he's 6,700. He hasn't been under 7 that K all season, just two weeks removed from a 12-target game. Or one week removed – two weeks, whatever it is, from a 12-target game and three from a, against Pittsburgh with 16 targets. Marvin Lewis, there could be them trying to play, trying to win some out for the end of the season. But just at 6,700 against a matchup that's not the worst in the world, like any interest in him from either of you guys? Bobby, I'm assuming I, I know your answer, right? Yeah, I, I, sorry. Last week. Uh, sorry, I meant to say before last week, and that was against Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, now he's going against Darius Slay. Like, good luck. I mean, still, like, it, it's... Of course, of course there's upside in it. Like, if, that's why I did it last week. But this team has given up. I think it's just wise to avoid them. Yeah, I mean, I think the green is definitely a guy to bring up because when a guy is priced down like that, it's smart to consider them. I do think that green against Slay with Dalton throwing to him is not as good of a play as... Lions defense. Uh, I'm like, I don't know that I would say it. I would say that Green might be slightly better than Funches just because Funches hasn't been over seven targets in like two months. And people are kind of overlooking that fact because he's their number one receiver. But uh, like Robert Woods, Mike Evans, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, probably Doug Baldwin, I'd take all of them over, over Green as far as like being a better on paper play. But I do think that you can make a, a case for Green and tourneys because who else has 30-point upside? Green could get you 30 points. It's just – I'd say pretty unlikely. Um, I'm sorry right. with Lions D in this one. I really like the Lions D. They yeah. can both do really well. I agree, too, that the Lions D is an interesting play against Cincinnati because I do think Cincinnati has mailed it in a little bit. Uh, Grant, do you have a love at first sight story for us, and do you have a game that's standing out to you at the front end of the week? I mean, not really. I realize, like, I've been in complete hibernation mode over the last month with football and after the RG party, my body just kind of died for a month. And so I, I, I realized I don't have that much human interaction during most weeks. It's very strange to me. I mean, my love at first sight this week is Daisy Ridley after I watched Star Wars and I realized that she is the love of my life just based on her acting from two movies and not knowing anything about her other than that. So I think I'm turning into a real permit right now and that's not good uh it's funny i i watched i watched the whatever episode seven for the first time this last week because 
<coughs> we have uh, tickets to go see episode eight in theaters with Abby's family next week. So we were like, we should probably catch up on, on that one. Um, that's a, I mean, that's a good love of your life, Grant. Do you have a game that uh, corresponds to Daisy Ridley? Um, I mean, I guess we can basically say that Cam Newton is <laughs> – I'm trying to think of a Star Wars character to compare him to, but I've got nothing. I mean, he's kind of – Jar Jar Binks. Uh, no, I was, I was kind of thinking like Anakin, like a cocky guy that – I mean, but he's obviously not turning into a terrible person. He just does dumb things sometimes. Uh, actually, he's probably more – Jameis Winston's probably more – I don't know. He's, he's a big dummy. I don't know. <laughs> so, Champlain, Carolina. Champlain, <laughs> Carolina. If Bright ends up playing – or if O.J. Howard doesn't end up playing, like I said, if him and Jackson are out, then just the amount of fancy potential in so many different spots on this, I mean – I love Cam this week. Winston, as we said, is one of the better plays at the lower end. Um, then Tampa Bay's defense is just so riddled with injuries that I think Cam's just going to destroy it and it's figuring out who he's going to go to in this matchup. Like, I just I love so many different parts of this game depending on how the injury situation turned out. I, I just, gosh, you got to love it. All right, Bobby, anything – I mean, there's not a lot of just awesome games, but anything standing out to you? I was going to take that game, but I'll, I'll take Atlanta and New Orleans. Uh, I think that it's just it, – you know, I know that last time it was – I mean, there's just so much potential with both of these offenses. And what, what uh, last time Kamara put up 30 uh, – what did Thomas put up last time? He put up 30 also too, didn't he? Like – there's just a lot out there, and they just played each other. I know a lot of people are going to go there, but I think there's other ways to uh, places to go here. I'm not sure exactly where I want to go outside of Thomas. I really think Freeman is like going to be almost a must play for me this week. Uh, not because New Orleans is bad against the run, but you can't attack them with pass catching backs, and right now he's their workload back because they don't have anybody else. So I love Freeman. Um, I'm going to avoid Julio probably because I believe in Lattimore. But other than that, I'm a pretty big believer in this game. And I'll probably even take some long shots on Julio. Would uh, things change for you with Freeman if Coleman gets cleared from his concussion? Or would you still have a lot of interest in Freeman? I think I, think I probably st- – I still might be here. I still think the price is too cheap, to be honest. Even with the split workload, he has 30 fantasy point upside. Uh, so I think that I just – I would probably still play him here. Actually, if, if – if he's uh, cleared and, and Freeman is completely going to be unowned, then I'm, I like it even better, actually. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas and Seattle game. I think that it's a, a threat to go somewhat overlooked in the DFS community. Um, you know, Dallas gets Ezekiel Elliott back. The If the Seahawks are still missing K.J. Wright, their run defense is not the same. Uh, obviously, their pass defense has not been the same for several weeks. They're – a bottom 10 team against wide receivers on the season. And that's even with Richard Sherman playing for much of the year. So I think that there's potential for Dallas to put up points. And this is not the LA Rams defense that has out schemed Russell Wilson multiple times. This is not a division opponent that knows Seattle really well. This is a Dallas team that regularly gets picked apart by quarterbacks that regularly gives up huge games to wide receivers so I think that the uh, Dallas-Seattle game is an interesting one uh, for, for cash games, for tournaments, and hopefully for going a bit overlooked by the field. Uh, with that, going back to our Seattle native, uh, Grant, looks like we've waited till the end to dole out punishment from last week. So last week, uh, I guess we're adding insult to injury because – Bobby took A.J. Green as his bold call and then also used a lot of A.J. Green. But, uh, Grant, do you have a somewhat tame tweet to punish Bobby with this week? I mean, also, by the way, I should mention that. Bobby, did you tweet out your punishment last week? I don't believe you did. Oh, I might not have gotten the thing. Dude, it's been a hectic week, man. Oh, I know, I know. (laughs) I'm giving you a free pass because of that. Maybe I should just double down on uh, being evacuated and I had to go yeah. up there and help. Like it was, it's it's not good. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I was planning on giving you, giving you a pass on that. Um, 
you know, we could just go with things that you don't want to say that I find funny, which is something like Lena Dunham, you inspire me, which is something <laughs> that hashtag both take a seat. you and me. <laughs> um, this is my new favorite jam. Like been listening to this song nonstop all month. And then a link of Nickelback, some song, which will be of my choosing, which I mean, there's so many good ones. I don't know which one I would like narrow it down to. Whatever, and I'll do my other one too at a different time. I mean, you don't need to do your other one. Well, I'll, if you lose another time this weekend, I'll just make it twice as bad. <laughs> uh, so do we get to add a hashtag tickle siege to that tweet? I mean, I don't see any possible way that we don't. Like uh, anyone, any, anyone that listens to the podcast will know anyways. And it just makes me chuckle every time that thing's <laughs> time. By the way, guys, if you ever tweet anything about this podcast, our new tag is or new hashtag is tickle siege That's, even if I just, even if you're tweeting that you don't like grant and want his dumb stories off the air yeah by the way hashtag I tickle love siege. How everyone who listens to this podcast hates one of us like terribly i hear it all the time like they every single person hates one of us and loves the other two and there's nothing in between and I don't and we're know not, why. It's cool. What's cool is that we are, uh, I don't know if anybody knows this, we're not human beings. We're actually robots. So we have no emotion. So when people go online and they say how much they hate one of us, uh, we don't even notice. So uh, that's a really cool fact about us as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, hashtag Tickle Siege is the hashtag for the podcast. Make sure you also misspell it like, like CJ guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that brings us to this week's bold calls. I kind of feel like we should go cheap wide receivers since we uh, spent some time on that. How would you guys feel about that? Oh, gosh, so hard on Lewis. I'm, I'm in for that. He's going to be the highest scoring wide receiver this week. I don't really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bold call. I do like that. Um, Bobby, do you want to take somebody else from this uh, lower price range? He is the guy I like the most at the lower price range, but I will take a chance with, let me see. Hold on. I think I just built it. I think I had it written down over here. Um, here, who's your guy? Oh, you know who I will? I'll say go back and give, give Bird another chance. Okay. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with Devontae Parker, even though he's going to need to do like 33% more because he's like 1K more than your guys are. But uh, I just really like the targets there. I'll also take him. He's an NFL receiver. <laughs> he's also an actual <laughs> legit NFL wide receiver. Uh, I think that we could see another good game from him this week. Um, hopefully Grant's right. Hopefully Roger Lewis takes home all the money this week for all of us who play him. Uh, I won't be surprised if I end up being able to talk myself onto that by the end of the week, as ugly as it is. Uh, Bobby, anything else to add before we get out of here? No. Uh, good luck to everyone this week. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, going to be sad when football season's over not to be doing this with you guys. I might just have to come visit Portland and get Grant to come with me. Just That's so right. Can- I know yeah. we had a Monday hangout for about, what, nine months straight, all baseball season, all football season. <laughs> That's all uh, Grant, any final words, any words of wisdom before we get out of here? Go see Star Wars. It's en- it's enchanting. <laughs> I don't support this. And also, uh, don't become. I, do you really not like Star Wars, Bobby? Because that's I, I ridiculous. I, it, I just don't like it. Uh, Man, uh, I never saw that. I literally never saw any of them until last year, two years ago, maybe it was. Wow. And they're awesome. Like, I watched <laughs> it as a 30 year old man, and I was like, man, these movies are fantastic. I think they're great. Yeah. I, I'm going back and watching the first three episodes, which I never wanted to see again in my life. But now I just want to know because it's it's applicable to the later ones. There's stuff you hadn't picked up on before or you wouldn't pick up on if you hadn't watched the original one. So it's more research at this point. I'm going uh, back and watching <laughs> old film. I got, uh, I got something we could probably all agree on. Uh, Abby and I are about to go watch Home Alone at a theater up the road that is showing it. Can we all agree that Home Alone is a good movie? Bobby, you okay with that one? Yeah, yes. I uh, I actually appreciated it more as I got older. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin did, does ir- did, did irritate me as a kid in that movie. I think it was just like we were similar ages and it was sort of like, 
damn, who the hell is this kid? Like, yeah, you're like, uh, I'm just as cool as him. Come on, yeah. people. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, Home Alone's a classic. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my night. That's how I'm prepping for football. The rest of tonight is watching Home Alone. I believe Abby's wearing pajamas to the theater, but I'm going to, uh, go ahead and wear grown up clothes. So, um, <laughs> shout out to me for that. Uh, is it weird that my parents left me home alone for like days at a time when I was his age? Yes. Man, my parents did some weird things. <laughs> it all makes sense. Uh, with that, uh, <laughs> don't call child services on Grant's parents. And thanks for hanging out. We will see you back here next week, same time, same place. And we will see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Thank you.